What's up, Eagle Brook? We are so glad that you're here. Thank you for spending a little bit of your Mother's Day weekend with us. For all the moms watching, happy Mother's Day, and thank you for all that you do that we can see and all of the hundreds of things that you do that we can't see. So today, uh, we honor you. Uh, we are kicking off a brand new series uh, based on two of the shorter books found in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul to the early church in Thessalonica. Uh, we'll be looking at First and Second Thessalonians, and uh, we've actually created a booklet uh, for the entire series for all of us to be able to read through together to go through those letters. You can grab one of those on your way out or find uh, the version online to read along with us as well. Here's what 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting in verse 9, says. It says, uh, they tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, I'm not sure what your understanding is or beliefs are around what it means to be a, a Jesus follower or a Christian, but there's a couple of core ideas that are pretty foundational for Christianity. Uh, Jesus came, he lived, he died, he rose again, and then he ascended into heaven. Now, here's the kicker. He's coming back a second time, and that's where a lot of Christians begin to debate whether or not we're living in the end times, the time in which Jesus is going to come back and save us all. Now, I'm a 90s Christian, okay, which simply means I grew up in an era of Christianity where a large number of Christians believe that Jesus was coming back in the year 2000, okay? There was this left behind series. There was this thought that I as a child could be left behind while my parents get swept up in the air and Jesus would fold their clothes in the corner, okay? And, and then all of a sudden, I, I would have to figure out my life on earth without adults, okay? So I, the songs were written about the end times, t-shirts were made, Bumper stickers were selling out. Movies were produced. And, and every single time that there's like a global crisis along with it, people go, oh man, because of this global crisis, Jesus must be coming back. And there was this thing called Y2K. I don't know if you're old enough to remember Y2K, but it was like pandemic before the pandemic. And like we were all getting water for no reason at all. And we thought computers couldn't handle a little 1999 to 2000. So you combine both of those things, what was happening in the world, what was happening in Christianity. I was fully convinced that Jesus was coming back the year 2000, New Year's Eve at midnight. I was so convinced, okay? I was so convinced that Jesus was coming back at that moment. I didn't just think he was coming back at midnight when the clock struck midnight, New Year's Eve. I thought he was coming back midnight, Central Standard Time, okay? <laughs> I thought I am the center of the universe and I had to make some decisions about my life. I said, listen, how do I want Jesus to find me when he comes back? I want to be in Jeremiah. Okay, so I just opened my Bible. I skipped the parties that night because I was for sure Jesus is coming back in the year 2000. Happy New Year, poof, and I'm going to be gone. And you already know what happened. 2001, okay? Like it came and then it was like, okay, 9-11, we're in the end time, see? And then you know what happened next? 2002. And like, and here we are today. And, and here's the deal. You and I don't know 
when Jesus is coming back, but we know that he is. So while we wait, well, I think you and I should live as best as we possibly can. And so throughout this series, we're going to be looking at some different questions that can, be, uh, can serve as a guidepost for how we should live while we wait. And so uh, this week, uh, the question that I want us to consider is, is this one. Uh, what do we want to be known for? What do we want to be known for while we wait for our Savior to come? What do we want to be known for? Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever truly thought about what you want to be known for? Have you ever thought about what you want to be known for in your home, in your school, in your office, in your neighborhood? What kind of spouse do you want to be known for? What kind of boyfriend, girlfriend, what kind of parent, what kind of neighbor, what kind of leader do you want to be known for? Whether you're a Christian or not, I think we all should really consider what we actually want to be known for. And I can tell you, I think our challenge with really answering that question is we have to be honest about answering this one. What are we currently known for? Like, like we can't decide who we want to be in the future unless we're honest about who we've been in the past. Isn't that true? Because right now, you may not be famous, but you are still wildly known for something. Like, you have a brand. No, you may not be an influencer, but you have a reputation. You have something that pops up in somebody's head when they think of you. When you show up on their caller ID, you give them a feeling. When they see your name on an inbox, you give them a particular feeling. If you're a parent, you're either known as the good cop or the bad cop, okay? You're known as the weak one that the kids can squeeze ice cream out of on any given night, or you're known as the disciplinarian, judge, jury, and executioner. Like, you have a reputation. Right now at your job, you are widely known for something. And that could be a, a good thing or it could be a bad thing. You could be known for always being late. You could be known for always being early. You could always be the person that's always on time. You could be known as the person who always complains or the person who always sees the bright side of things. You could also be known as the person who doesn't know the appropriate time to hit reply all or not to hit reply all. That ain't everybody's business, okay? Do you know what you're known for? Just think about it for a second. What's your reputation? Regardless, if you love what you're known for or not, I think this weekend's message is going to add value to your life. And dare I say, your faith. Whether your faith is strong, weak, or non-existent, I think this weekend's message can help you have a faith that is actually growing. Because what I know about the church in Thessalonica they were known for a few things, but the one thing that really sticks out to me is that they were known for their faith. And they had the kind of faith that had a ripple effect all around the world. And I noticed that there are three, three characteristics about their faith that I think if you and I adopted into our life, we would actually live lives that help us move towards being the kind of people we actually want 
to be known for. The first kind of faith I think we could be known for is having the kind of faith that is proven by action. Here's what we can gather from Christians in 1 Thessalonians. Here's what it says. The Apostle Paul writes, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in in our Lord Jesus Christ. Your work produced by faith. There was something about these people that didn't just believe, but they had a faith that was strong that what they believed turned into action. These were people that said, you know, we have a set of beliefs that we want to make sure end up in our lifestyle. And I believe that there's a lot of people who believe the world needs to change, but not a lot of people who believe they need to change. So what we end up having is a lot of beliefs without a lot of action. We can live with the belief that we should love our neighbors, but Many don't feel like doing the work of getting to know all of their neighbors' names. And if you're an introvert, you may just bow out of the whole love your neighbor thing altogether. You're like, that's for the other people. Just imagine if you and I were known as people who simply practiced what we preach. Imagine if Christians had a reputation in communities around Minnesota and the Midwest as being that group of people that puts their money where their mouth is and their actions where their faith is. Let me ask you. Let me just ask you this question. Um, What do you think most Christians today are known for? And if you're not a Christian, I'm so glad you're here because you can give us the perfect outside perspective, okay? I'll give us a hint. On, on what the brand of Christianity looks like today. It's not doing so hot, okay? I'm just throwing that out there for a second, okay? Now, in preparing for this message, I typed into Google, why are Christians dot, 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 and I wanted to see what would populate to see what most people have typed in after that. Top responses, why are Christians persecuted, which is interesting. Number two, why are Christians boycotting Disney? Number three, why are Christians allowed to eat pork? And number four, why are Christians against yoga? That's what we're known for, people. Now, let's just say you've got some good righteous reasons to be allowed to eat pork or be against yoga, okay? That's fine. But let me ask you this. Is that what you want to be known for? Hey, you know what would make a difference in our schools, our communities, and our neighborhood? The anti-yoga crew. That's what we need. Like, there's so much bad going on in the world, and I get that. And perhaps we got a tall order of things that Christians should be standing against. But sometimes... I think we run the risk of being known more for what we're against than what we're actually for. Sometimes it feels like Christians are more known for their politics than they are for their faith. Sometimes it feels like Christians can be known more for what they believe about the Constitution than what they believe about the Bible. 
I just don't want to be more known for my favorite sports team than how I treat people. I don't want to be known more for my, my accolades than I am for how I leverage my words to, to encourage other people. I've got some core beliefs, and so do you, that I think should be proven by our actions, that I think should make their way into our lifestyle in a way that could shape our reputation in our homes, in our communities. Just imagine if you and I were the kinds of people that when people go to Google, why are Christians so full of faith? Why are Christians always praying for people? Why are Christians so forgiving? Why are Christians so hardworking? Just imagine if you and I practice so well what we preach that we actually change the reputation of what we want to be known for in our communities. The second kind of faith that I think we could be known for is having the kind of faith that is tested by suffering. Tested by suffering. First Thessalonians is what a lot of theologians consider to be one of Paul's first letters to any church. Um, the backstory for Christians in this region is found in Acts 17. Um, that's where we find that Paul and a colleague of his named Silas went to Thessalonica. And after just one month of just telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ, a large number of Jewish and Greek people gave their allegiance to Jesus. And so they formed the first church community there. But this brought about some trouble for this church. Because Paul's announcement of the risen Jesus as the true Lord of the world led to suspicion. So the Christians there were eventually accused of defying Caesar. And when they said that there is another king besides Caesar and his name is Jesus, this led to a persecution that got so intense that Paul and Silas actually had to flee from this city. This was really hard for Paul and his colleagues because they love the people there so much. I mean, you can really sense his love for them at the beginning of 1 Thessalonians. But then he, he, he says this. I, I just love this. He says, hey, you, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message. Watch this. In the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. He's writing to a group of people who are embracing the message of Jesus in the midst of suffering. I think it's hard for a faith to ever be strong if it's never tested. You want to know who inspires me often? It's the people who've lost so much and still have the courage to walk through the doors of their church and sing songs about the goodness of God. A friend of my wife and I is a single mom whose son has battled cancer for the last five years. He's had one leg amputated a couple years back, and recently they got a pretty bad report that things aren't looking good for him. And I saw him last week, and I just, just put my arms around him, and I said, man, are you okay? And, and he's, he's super, super charismatic, super joyous kid. He said, yeah, I'm fine. I went, hey, man, for real, 
are you okay? He said, Ryan Leak, I am fine. I said, first off, don't say my name like that. Okay, listen, I just, I just want to talk to you, okay? Like, and I asked him a third time. I said, man, are you okay? And he said, I'm managing, but I'm going to be all right. And I watched him and his mom walk into an auditorium and sing about the goodness of God for 20 minutes. And I look at them and I think, that's faith. That's the kind of faith I want to be known for. Oh, one of the organizations that my wife and I support um, is a nonprofit founded right here in Minnesota that works with some of the toughest places in the world. Um, they serve war refugees, trafficked human beings, uh, oppressed children, in essentially regions of the globe that have not been reached with the gospel. And this organization has planted thousands of churches that serve in their own communities to rescue girls from trafficking. And they also give them the tools to help them create a stability in their own economy for their uh, communities to have a sustainable farming solution, super creative. And, and I was talking with my good friend, Ryan, who, who runs that organization. And I was just saying, man, how, how are things going? And checking in with him on, man, what, what's the latest? What are some of the different projects that you're working on? And and he shares with me some of the work they've been doing in Southeast Asia. And unfortunately, 11 leaders, men and women, have been put in prison for sharing the gospel and bringing food to villages in the name of Jesus. In this region are faith leaders who have literally been martyred for the gospel. And my friend Ryan sent a message to one of the pastors in prison, asking them how we could pray for those in prison or if there was anything we could do to help them get out. And they communicated back, don't pray we get out of prison. Pray we can lead people to Jesus in prison because that's what Paul and Silas did and just help our families continue to spread the gospel. When I think about the people in Thessalonica, and I think about our friends in Southeast Asia, I think, no wonder they're known for that kind of faith. No wonder they became a model for all churches. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I wish no one had to suffer. I wish no one had to lose loved ones. I wish no one had to be persecuted. I wish no one had to experience any kind of disappointment. But the fact that you and I are going to have to go through some stuff is not only good for our faith, I think it's an opportunity to model something for the world you and I live in. Imagine if you and I were the kinds of people that were known for keeping the calm in the worst of times. If we're going to be people of faith that walk by faith, then the way we have to model that is having it when it doesn't make sense. What I mean by that is this, is if it makes sense for you to be happy, as in you're happy because you got a promotion, got married, won the bid on the house, or got accepted to your college of choice, that's awesome, but that's not faith. Faith is required when you've lost it all. Faith is required when you raise your kids up in church and then they get a driver's license and they stop acting like kids who've ever even seen a church, okay? That's when you need faith. Faith is required when multiple doctors 
can't figure out what's wrong with you. It's when your faith is loud in those moments that people take notice. They say, you're not supposed to be singing. You're not supposed to be smiling. You're not supposed to be encouraging other people right now. Just imagine if you and I were known as a group of people who when they're going through the worst, they start helping people the most. Just imagine that. Now, the last kind of faith that I think that you and I could be known for is having the kind of faith that is spread by sharing. What inspires me so much about this community of Christians that we find in 1 Thessalonians. It says this, it says, the Lord's message rang out from you not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Oh, I can't speak for you, but speak for me. I want to be known as a person that's willing to share my faith with others and not just on a stage. I am absolutely privileged to do what I do. And some could say, I'm checking the box of sharing my faith right now. But where I'm at in this very moment is not everywhere. And what I love is that their faith in God became known everywhere at the time. Something was spreading about their faith. And I think the same should be true of us. Now, Whenever I talk to people about sharing their faith, they get squirmy, okay? Like, they get awkward, really fat. Ryan, no, I don't want, no, no, no. Like, please don't make me do this, okay? I've tried it. It didn't go well. They've envisioned it, and it doesn't even go well in their mock-up version of how they believe it would go with their coworker or neighbor or gym buddy. So, so here's something I started doing a few years ago that a mentor taught me, okay? This absolutely changed my life. I don't do it religiously. Like, I don't do it every single time, but often I try because I, I believe it's, it's, an, it's a realistic way of sharing our faith with other people. And I want to challenge all of us to consider doing this because it has absolutely changed my life. And Sometimes it's awkward until it's awesome. So, uh, so here, here, here's, what I, here's what I want you to consider doing, okay? I want you to ask every person who serves you, waiter, waitress, barista, target worker, who, people that are paid to serve you, okay? You're already having a conversation with these people, okay? I want you to ask every person who serves you, is there anything going on in your life that I can pray for? Is there anything going on in your life that I can pray for. The first time I heard my mentor share this with me, I thought, dude, you're crazy. Maybe a surprise to you. I'm introverted. I ain't got time to be mustering up a lot of courage to speak to strangers right now. Like, that's just not my jam. I've got a thousand reasons why no one should ever do this, as I'm sure some of you are thinking right now. But just go with me for a second. Because I thought to myself, at some point, Ryan, you got to at least try it. Like, I know you've envisioned it being awkward, but just let's just see what can happen. All right, so I got a little confession, all right? So um, I have an obsession 
uh, with washing my car. All right, so I have an annual car wash subscription, it's like 20 bucks a month, and every day, whoop, I pull right in and get that thing washed, okay? I don't play games. My, my car stay clean. People used to tell me, hey, when you have kids, your car going to be dirty. I say, your car going to be dirty. My car not going to be dirty. So I go to the car wash every day, and I see the same people, except I don't really talk to them. Like, I just pull in, wave, and just keep it moving, you know? And, and one day, I pull in, and my mentor's in my head, Ryan, ask them if they have anything going on in their life that you can pray for. I'm like, I'm not doing this. It's just like, come on, Ryan, you got to try it. I'm like, all right. It was slow motion. I'm like, what's taking this window so long? It never does this. Hey. She says, hey, Ryan, she has my information on the computer. I'm like, I don't know you, but you know me because I'm here every day, but this is cool. Hey, uh, hey um, how are you? Uh, what's your name? She says, Ashley. Hey, Ashley. Um, do you have anything in your life that I could, I'm um, like, um, you know, like, pray for? She goes, do I have anything I can pay for? I said, no. I said, pray with an R, okay? It's an R. I'm not paying for, I'm paying for car wash, but I need to pray. I, 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 do you have anything I can, I can pray for? And she was puzzled, as she should be. And I'm like, roll up the window as fast as you can. Speed off. Don't ever get your car washed again. It's a terrible idea. But then she paused. And this is what she said. I'm not making this up. This absolutely changed my life. She paused, and she said, yeah, my mom is sick, and her name is Deborah. Would you pray for her? I said, yes, yes, of course. I would love to do that. Yes. Like, I was shocked that she had an answer. I was like, yes, yes, I was like, I won the lottery. She's like, what is going on right now? I'm like, I'm so sorry. Yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray. I'm going to pray for Deborah. That's what we're going to do, because that's why I came here, is to pray for you, something going on in your life, and Deborah's it. So we're going to pray for Deborah. And I'm just like, what was that, Ryan? Like, get it together. <laughs> Next day, I pull in. There's Ashley. My window's smooth now. Down, quick. I'm like, hey. Hey, Ashley, how's your mom? She says she's doing all right. And now somebody that I see every day, we actually have something to talk about. And you want to know what absolutely inspired me that day is that I never knew that Ashley had a mom who had been sick for so long. And I never knew because I never asked. And so I began to think who else in my world could use my faith but can't get it because I'm worried about looking or sounding dumb. So I just started getting over myself more. And I can tell you I have done this hundreds of times now. And some people look at me weird and say nothing. Some ask me to pray for their sports teams and they need it. Believe me, I have had some awkward exchanges with strangers. But can I tell you about Brianna, who was waiting on us at a restaurant by Mall of America? We asked her if she had anything in her life that we could pray for. And she let us know she's working extra hours to support her special needs kids. And I would never know that if I never asked. Can I tell you about Claudia, who works at National Car Rental, 
who told me, a stranger, that she's four and a half months pregnant and she's had a few miscarriages and is nervous about the one that's in her belly. And at that car rental booth, we prayed for Claudius. Can I tell you about Sandy from Crackle Barrel? <laughs> she's got a grandson named Hunter that had a 50% chance of getting Huntington's disease. It's a neurodegenerative disease that is mostly an inherited disease. She says, there's no cure. Oh, but the guy ordering pancakes has a little bit of faith for your grandson. So we'll see if there's a cure or not. Can I tell you about the Papa John's delivery guy? <laughs> Who's just there looking for a tip? Oh, and I'm giving him his tip, but I'm like, I got the pen right now, buddy. You on my time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, let me take my time. Let me see. You want 10? You want 15? Let's see what we're going to do today. Hey, uh, and I ain't want to look him in the eye because I still get nervous, just so you know. I'm like, hey, uh, you got anything I can pray for while I'm signing this? And I look up, tears in his eyes, and he instantly goes, my brother. I said, what's going on with your brother? He said, man, I... I can't get into it. I said, really going through it, man? He said, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, he wasn't just delivering a pizza and I wasn't just eating pepperoni and sausage. No. Somebody's brother is on the verge of God knows what. And I hope whoever it is is delivering pizza to my house because I got faith waiting for him. Can I tell you about Katie, our neighborhood Starbucks barista? I asked her if, if she had anything going on in her life that I could pray for. And we're in the drive-thru, so you know, you got 30 seconds, right? This is, this is speed. You know, line's long. I'm like, God, oh, Ryan, don't even do it. Do it next time. I'm like, no, I just feel like I'm supposed to. Katie, you got, any, you got anything in your life that I can pray for? Like, this is a speed drill. And, she, and she's at the window, and then she backs up and, like, looks for permission. I'm just like, oh, no, I'm about to get her in trouble. And she just, she's kind of looking around, and she's like, yeah, happiness. I would love happiness. And I just, latte in my hand, paralyzed. What do, you, what do you do? Do you stop the line? Do you run back in? You know, it's just, hey, Katie, know that there's somebody in your neighborhood who's going to pray for you today. And my heart just broke for Katie, and I just, I didn't know what to do except to do the thing I told her I would do. Lord, would you meet Katie right where she is? And would you help her find happiness? A week later, I pulled into the Starbucks. I'm the weird guy now, right? <laughs> hey, Katie, I don't know if you remember me. <laughs> About a week ago, I, I prayed for you, and I just, I just wanted to see how, and she goes, you! I went, oh no, what happened? Lord, please let this be good. I don't know what happened. And again, she, she goes back inside, like looking around for permission. I thought this was a terrible idea. Like Ryan, abort mission, speed off. Get a latte at the next Starbucks. You know? And so she just, she just picks her head out. She goes, God is so real and so awesome. And I'm happy. I don't know what happened between drive-through appointments. 
But all I know is I found myself sitting in that Starbucks a couple of months later, and the manager brings me my drink, and she has no idea who I am or what I do. And she says, thanks for praying for my team. I don't know who you are, but it's making a difference. Thank you for praying for my team. I used to think my mentor was crazy. But in light of what I want to be known for, I think it's brilliant. Now, let's just paint a picture for a second. Can you imagine what would happen if thousands of people in Minnesota began looking for an open door to loan somebody their faith who is already being paid to serve them anyways? Can you imagine this Mother's Day weekend when thousands of us are going to go to lunch and go to go to dinner. And after they take our order and after we, we get ready to get the tip, we say, hey, uh, you got anything in your life going on that, that we could pray for? Imagine if you did this every now and then at your Target, at your caribou. I'll just tell you, it could go terrible. And you also could change somebody's life forever. But are we really concerned about people's opinion of us, of our encounter with them for 30 seconds? We may never see these people ever again in our life. Our faith could just be the thing they've been searching for their whole life. Your faith could be the thing the people that they love need the most. I think this would change things drastically we all did it together. Can you imagine <laughs> if the next time somebody goes to Google, <laughs> why are Christians in Minnesota always praying at restaurants? It's us. It's kind of what we do. You know, I, I just, it just is what it is. We just kind of like sharing our faith because we kind of think our communities need it. Imagine if people heard about that. Everywhere, Can you imagine if we were known as a group of people that show up for people when they needed faith the most? Can you imagine if we were a group of people that in their darkest hour were brave enough to share our faith with them? Heaven forbid that you and I would walk around the world in a community of people that could be fighting a cancer battle or a divorce battle that we know nothing about because... We never asked, call me crazy, but while we wait until Jesus comes back, I think you and I have a faith that's worth sharing with the world, and I think that's something you and I should be known for. God, I thank you so much for Eagle Brook Church. I pray, God, that we would truly wrestle with what it is that we really want to be known for. And, and Lord, I, I pray for thousands of divine appointments this weekend. God, I, I pray that you would help us get past ourselves and begin to share our faith with others because, Lord, we actually believe it's worth sharing. And, and Lord, for my brave friends that are going to go to restaurants differently, 
and go to coffee shops differently and go to Target differently. Lord, I, I just pray in those moments you would give my friends courage. And Lord, would you give them the wisdom to know what to say? May each and every person under the sound of my voice know that they were put on a planet for a reason. And may they be the kind of people that are known for having the kind of faith that is proven by action, tested by suffering, and spread all around the world because they decided to share. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for joining us this weekend. We will continue the While We Wait series next weekend. We can't wait to see you there. Have a great week.